good to be back. You know, we enjoyed, Bert and I enjoyed our time in Sarasota, but, but it's always good to be back with our church family. It's always good to worship with you all. And, you know, this morning as I, as I walked in, it was just, it just really felt like, like home. You know, when uh, Brian was up here talking about volunteers and needing volunteers, something I really appreciate about this body of believers is, is how you volunteer and how many of you uh, participate in making this a family. How people come and mow the yard and, and make it look beautiful. I had somebody a couple weeks ago tell me, you know, I told him where I go to church and he said, you know, that church, you can t- when you drive by, you can tell they care about things because your yard looks beautiful. You know, when you walk in here on Sunday morning, it looks cared for. Wednesday night in children's ministry, the children were, were uh, cleaning um, the children's wing, learning how to serve. And, you know, and this beautiful tree up here and the decorations and this worship team, those are all volunteers. The people that were teaching during ABF time, those are mostly volunteers. People who make Fairlawn what it is. And, and so it's just good to be home, to be back with my church family that I love so much and that, that just really blesses me when I see what and how you um, invest yourselves in this place. You know, we're in this season, a psalm for every season, in the book of Psalms, and, and in this series, we've, we've talked about the season of winter, and how winter is a season of the soul that seems long and cold and dreary. And we had an empty tree up here several weeks ago, symbolic of how winter is, how winter feels empty, how winter feels dead, how, how it's cold and dreary and long. And yet winter is necessary for the fruit tree. It's healthy for it. And for us, the season of winter, that season when, when God feels distant, when when we feel alone is necessary for our souls. It's important for us. It's good for us to be in winter. It's important for our spiritual health and growth to experience winter. But the spring season that we've been in the last two weeks, spring brings hope of new life. Spring is a season where we see the fruit trees begin to blossom. We see the grass begin to green up. Spring is an exciting and hopeful season of the year. In the springtime, the landscape is changing every day. Flowers are exploding out of the ground, adding amazing color and life to our world. It is a season of of transformation, a season of incredible growth. And in our spiritual lives, we experience seasons of spring, seasons when we are experiencing incredible spiritual growth, a season where when we read God's word, it comes alive and we see God using us and 
it's an exciting time of our faith journey. It's an exciting time in our souls when we experience spring. But spring slowly transforms into summer. It's spring just sort of all of a sudden one day it's summer and it's hot. And, and today we're beginning in the season of summer. And when you think about summer, lots of exciting things happen in summer, but for the fruit tree, it is a season of perseverance. Because spring is, summertime is when the tree is most susceptible. I'd like for you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 40. We're going to look at the season of summer. And what's interesting about Psalm 40 is that as you, as you go down through Psalm 40, there's a progression of there's a winter season, there's a spring season, and then we get to a summer season. You know, the psalmist David here, in the first two verses, he is experiencing or talking about how he has experienced winter. How he's, he's experienced this season in the pit. And we talked in week one about how in those seasons of depression when we don't feel God, it seems dark and gloomy and like there is no way out. We see the psalmist experiencing that, but we also see him experiencing springtime, a season of new growth. And so this is a psalm that we see three of the seasons evident. Beginning in verse one, David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and set my feet on a rock, and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. May all who see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak them and tell them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears have been pierced or opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. I proclaim your righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips. As you know, O oh Lord, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. Troubles without, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have, taken, have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May all who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. 
But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. Father, open our hearts and our minds to hear. Through your spirit, may we be transformed during this time. Amen. So the psalmist here in Psalm 40, David, begins by letting us know that, that he has been in a season of, of grueling and persistent prayer. He's been waiting patiently for the Lord to deliver him. Now when David talks about waiting here in verse uh, in verse, verse 1, he's not talking about sort of a sitting at the doctor's office and waiting and being bored. This is an, an, an expectant type of waiting. It describes an eager hope, an expectation for deliverance. And so the psalmist here is patiently and intently waiting for Yahweh to deliver him. And he says that, that God was faithful and rescued him from the pit of destruction. But not only did God free him from that pit, but it says that God put him on a secure foundation. He put his feet in a place where he could stand firmly. He delivered him from the season of winter into the season of spring. And God delivers, he delivers all of us, can deliver us from this season of winter. He can deliver us from any kind of trouble, even if our difficulties are the result of our bad choices. And here in this psalm, it appears like David's troubles come from his own poor judgments, from his own bad choices. And often we find ourselves in a pit because of our bad choices. But David says, look, the Lord can, can free us, can place our feet on a firm foundation if we pray and wait. And then he says, I prayed and I waited, and then when the Lord put my feet on this firm foundation, he also put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. He's experiencing growth. He's experiencing spring. And, and when David was delivered here, he could not keep silent. When he is delivered from his troubles, he has to declare his works to everyone around him. And he says, may all see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. See, David says, look, this public praise encourages those around me. This public praise that I'm declaring causes people to fear and trust the Lord. I think sometimes we take this mentality and we've been, we've been taught this, this saying that, and, and credit is given to St. Francis of Assisi, it says that um, sp uh, 
Let me see what it says. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. We love that. But can I tell you something? First of all, St. Francis of Assisi, they don't think he ever said that. And second thing is, that's not biblical. Now, we are to live lives that are attractive. Lives that reflect Christ. Lives that make us look different. But we're not supposed to stop at just living it. We're to speak it. We're to be like David and let our, let our praise cause people to see God. You know, in Romans chapter 10, it says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him if they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? We dare not seal our lips. We dare not hide his righteousness in our own hearts. We must open our mouths and praise him. And we miss opportunities to do what God desires when we don't give him expressions of praise and thanksgiving. We must praise him. And David says... When I open my mouth, many will see and fear and trust in the Lord. And David, his praise focuses on the wonderful works of God. He says, many, O Lord, are your wonders. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. He says, if I were to speak them, they would be too many to declare David is overwhelmed by how great God is and what all God has done. And this morning in our worship, we sang songs that expressed the greatness of God, the wonders of God, and how his wonders are far too many for us to declare, but we must declare them. And David doesn't just stop with, with worshiping, with, 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 with speaking praise. His gratitude for what God has done in his life leads him to dedication. And our gratitude for what God has done should lead us to desire to serve him. You know, we, we don't serve God in order to gain his um, approval. We serve him out of our gratitude for what he's done in our lives. And here David says, sacrifice an offering you did not desire in verse 6, but my ears have, have my, you have pierced and burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. I desire to do your will. You see, what David is saying here, he's saying, look, I understand that, that you don't want just this ritual of sacrifice. Actually, in Psalm 51, verse 17, David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a, and a contrite heart. God desires our hearts to be repentant, which 
is what the sacrifices signify, a repentant heart. Now, did God want sacrifices? Absolutely. God was the one that instituted sacrifices. But he didn't want people to just merely to give sacrifices as a ritualistic act. He wanted it to be an outward expression of what had happened on the inside. Now, so for us, just to show up for church because that's one more checklist on our weekly duty is wrong. David says, that's not what you want, Lord. You don't want me just to show up for church and then go home and forget about serving you. No, David says, I will serve. I realize that you want more than just ritualistic sacrifice. You want the outward expression of what I'm doing to reflect what's happening on the inside. David's saying, I'm not offering just to offer. He says, here I have come. I desire to do your will. Your law is within my heart. You see, David doesn't just read the word of God. The word of God changes David. It gives him direction for life. It causes him to live a certain way. You know, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Does God's word change you? Does it cause you to live differently than the rest of the world? You know, in Psalm 1, it says that, Blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mocker. But it says his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. It says he is like a tree that's planted by streams of water. In other words, he is fruitful. Yeah, I fear that sometimes we compartmentalize our faith. So we're here this morning. We've done our religious duty here this morning by standing up and singing and by enduring a message, and then we go home and nothing about us changes. So on Monday morning, I go to work. That's a different part of my life. And I live this way when I'm at work or when I'm at school. And then when I go play, when I play ball or I do this or I do that, play basketball, I live even a different way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. God's word, when it is on our hearts, should be a part of every fiber of my life. It should, it, it should affect the way that I work. It should affect the way that I play. It should affect the way that I parent. It affects every part of me. And David says, I'm not going to just sacrifice for sacrifice sake. No, Lord, you're changing me. I'm going to live this way because I desire to serve you. Because of the way that I've seen you working in my life, I will be different. I will live differently. Because God's law, his word, in our hearts, 
changes us. Every part of us. And then in verse 9 again, David says, I can't, I can't keep silent. I can't not speak. He says, I proclaim your righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips. Now this is a transition to the second half of this psalm. And in the middle of this, in verse 9, I like what David says, I did not seal my lips. And then in the middle he says, and as you know, Lord, David's saying, look, I've done all these things. Now, as you know, I've done all this. I've been faithful to praise God in the congregation. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. David is making his point. Look, Lord, this is what I'm doing. But after establishing this this foundation of faithfulness, he appeals to God for mercy. Asking God to apply the acts that he has been praising him for to David. He says in verse 11, Lord, don't hide your mercy from me. May your love and your truth always protect me. And David goes into a prayer for deliverance. David is entering a summer season. David is feeling the heat of summer. Now, in winter, we experience silence and we don't feel God and and we don't feel like he cares. In summer, we sense his presence. We know he's there. We know he's walking with us. But it's just a hard season. It's a season we have to persevere and push through. So David is, is in this season of summer. And summer is this season that connects the fresh growth and the excitement of spring with the hope of a fall harvest, the excitement of fall harvest. I see these farmers just, just chomping at the bit because fall harvest is here. What they've worked for all summer is here. They're now harvesting. Well, summertime is the connecting point between the excitement of spring and the expectation of fall. Summer is the season of perseverance. Because we see the glory of the promise of spring and all of the flowers and the growth fading away into summer and yet we don't see the fulfillment of fall harvest. And it's in these moments, in this season of summer, that the farmer must keep at it. He must keep his eyes firmly fixed on the development of the fruit. And although this season of summer is long and hot, it is essential for fruitfulness. And when I look at this tree, this tree is full of summer Leaves. It is, it is in the midst of, 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 of summer. But it is in the midst of summer that this tree is also experiences the most stress, 
It is in the season of summer that this tree is exposed to heat, is exposed to, to, to um, insects that can kill it, is exposed to all kinds of things. Drought causes stress on this tree, but the farmer has to make sure that he cares for this tree, that he perseveres through summer because ultimately this is what he is longing for, a fall harvest. But if you want a fall harvest, if he wants to make sure that that this becomes a reality, he has to care for his tree. He has to care for his crop all summer long. He has to continue to work hard because this tree will be attacked. But he must persevere and never drop his guard. Because the farmer is looking forward in hopeful anticipation of a fall harvest. And just as the the perseverance of the fruit tree in a hostile summer environment brings about fruitfulness, because this tree needs the heat of summer. It needs to experience those hot days in order for it to produce fruit. And just like the tree needs those hot days, how he needs to persevere through summer to get a fruitful fall harvest, we as believers need to persevere because our fruitfulness as believers rises in our spiritual lives when we persevere in hostile climates. And we will go through hard things We will experience hard things just like David is experiencing here. And oftentimes the hard things we face are the result of our own poor choices. In verse 11, David cries out. He says, don't withhold your mercy from me. May your love and your truth always protect me. He says, Because troubles without number surround me. He's in the middle of summer. He's feeling the summer heat. He says, my sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. And my heart fails within me. Feel pleased, O Lord, to save me. Come quickly to help me. And we see here David in verse 12 is overwhelmed by his troubles. He says, my sins have overtaken me. He probably means the difficulties that his sins have caused him. And the result of these difficulties was he's no longer able to think straight, to understand things. His trouble is more than he can count. And because there are so many, David's heart begins to fail. He feels like giving up. He can't keep going on. He's tired. And he cries out in verse 12, Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. But adds, Come quickly this is a cry of desperation 
or someone who knew that he was running out of time. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. Maybe you're in that season where you're not sure you can go on. Or the heat and the trouble is feeling like it's too much and it's pressing you and squeezing you and you're ready to give up. Your enemy, it's, here he says, he gives these three petitions, requests, which I find interesting. The first request in verse 14 is that, may my enemies, may their enemies be put to shame. May my enemies be turned back in disgrace. And may they be appalled because of their shame. He's praying that God judges his enemies. And in verse 16, he focuses on the desired benefits for the righteous. Look, I want you to do this to my enemies so that, verse 16, Many will seek and rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. You see, for David, the destruction of these wicked enemies was not simply to give the psalmist relief, but that it would give the righteous joy. Let them rejoice and be glad. This prayer is for the Lord to give the faithful reason to rejoice. He says, let them continually say, great is the Lord. We need to be vigilant as believers. And even in those times when we were feeling the heat, we must trust the Lord, we must realize that we are serving, the God we are serving is great. And the psalmist ends here in the present with a need for help, remaining in urgent need. He says, but as for me, I am afflicted and needy. My problem still is here. Lord, I need you. I have no more resources. I can't do this on my own. Lord, I need you. Now he knows, David knows that the Lord thinks about him. He knows that he is more than just a passing thought. He knows that God has a plan for his life. And we, we know that because in Psalm 139, verse 13, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
See, David knew that God had a plan for him. David knew God had created him with much care and much love and with a plan. Do you know that God has created you just like he created David? Do you know that that you were created, as verse 13 says, that in you were knit together in your mother's womb, you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God, in knitting you together, had a plan for you. And maybe right now you don't understand that plan. And maybe right now because you're going through a season of summer and you feel like David, afflicted and needy, you need to be reminded that God cares for you and and God has created you just the way you are for a very specific purpose. He remembers you. He is watching you. And he is allowing you to go through this season of summer. This time when you need to persevere because he wants to see fruitfulness. Yeah, see the Ramsayers here this morning. They went through a season of summer. A season that was hard when, when it, they, at times, I'm sure, cried out, Lord, what are you doing? And yet God in his loving mercy had a plan and still has a plan for his glory and for the sake of fruitfulness. See, when we're in these seasons in the dead of summer of a dry, hot summer when bugs are attacking, when you feel like giving up, we have to be like the farmer. We have to continue to persevere, to work hard. But we have to understand what our role is in this. You know, the farmers here, they know that they have to cultivate their ground. They know that they have to fertilize their ground. They know that they have to to weed their ground. The fruit farmer knows that he has to prune his trees. They may have to irrigate or water their crops. But the farmer knows that at some point he's done everything he can do. And when he's done everything he can do, he trusts in the Lord to produce the fruit. Remember what Paul said, I planted, Apollos Apollos watered, I planted, but only the Holy Spirit can make it grow. In these seasons of summer, these seasons of perseverance, we have to do our part. 
So if you're in that season, you have to feed yourself with God's word. You have to prune out the things out of your life that, that are causing distraction, that are, are not good for production. You have to cultivate, fertilize, water. And when you've done everything that you can do, you have to wait. And allow God to do the work. And that's what David is doing here. He realizes he's done everything he can do. Now he sits back and he waits. And he trusts because he's seen God work in his life before. He trusts him with his life because he knows that he's been created for a purpose. So whatever hard thing, whatever season you're going through, remember, you do your part. You do what the farmer does. You do your part. And then you're patient and allow God to do the rest. Let's pray. Father, um, this morning there are uh, people here going through that season of summer. Through a time when it just feels heavy and, and they know you're there. They know that you have a purpose for them and a plan for their lives. But it's just hard and heavy and hot. I pray, Father, that you would give strength and energy for this season. Lord, that, that there would be patience and perseverance. And Lord, that through this season that we experience, through those seasons of summer that we experience, Lord, we're trusting that you would make them fruitful. That the things that we're experiencing, you would use to bear much fruit. Help us to keep our eyes focused on the fruitfulness of this season. The hope that this season has for us to see the fall harvest. See us through, Lord, to that harvest. It's in Christ's precious name that I pray. Amen.